you know, are tough to handle right now is just the increased demand. Like I mentioned before, everyone wants an ARM box in their building now from uh, your retirement homes and seniors that can't afford to, you know, risk their lives to go drop, return a stock at the local Walmart, at the local Target to higher end property manager groups that are looking to offer this amenity towards showing their customers and their tenants that they are making an increased effort towards being able to protect their safety and everything in light of the pandemic. So we're really excited about the future. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Leumitech, Hippo Insurance, Turing, Upwest Labs, and Hillel at Stanford. Returning product sucks, but thankfully, we have Flindle to help solve it. Meet Ugochi Owo, the CEO of Flindle, a reverse logistics and prop tech startup focused on automating commerce returns. They make returning anything ridiculously easy for consumers of retail businesses and viable for retailers. They make it possible for consumers of retail stores to drop off the returns from the comfort of their homes without risking the exposure and inconvenience of venturing outdoors. Ugochi Owo, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm doing very, very well now that we're having this conversation. I'm excited to learn all about your journey, all about Flendel, your, your experience and your passion, not for logistics, but your passion for solving puzzles. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better over these 20 minutes. You know, just to get us started, uh, tell me a little bit about what you're doing with Flendel. And, and once you do to set up the stage, I want to go back and, and hear about the journey of, of creating Flendel, because that's always the most interesting piece of, of an entrepreneur's journey. For sure. I mean, Flendel, we are a reverse logistics company focused on automating commerce returns. That just means that we make returning anything super, super easy. Uh, so what the vision is for Flindle is that uh, you'll never have to go to the store or to the post office to drop off any type of return, whether it's from a brick and mortar store like a Walmart or Target or from an online store um, powered by Shopify. So you'll be able to do that right in the lobby of your apartment building, your office building or your condo building and get your refund within a 24 hour time frame. I love that. I have to say that I still haven't until today, and my girlfriend will kill me if she hears this. I still have yeah. a pair of shoes that I've been meaning to return online, and they're sitting in the back of my car because just you know going, taking that trip. You know, in COVID, obviously it's harder, but taking that trip anytime, you know, the post office or dropping off at a certain piece, it just never seems to fit in the hours of the day, and you just keep delaying it, delaying it, and it just doesn't happen. So I, I'm waiting to be a customer of Flendel. So please <laughs> just sign me up already. Uh, but you know. Uh, now going a little bit backwards, so tell me a little bit about your upbringing and, and how you get to become a, you know, an early stage entrepreneur. What, what led you to that route? For sure. Um, well, growing up, I've always been, like I mentioned earlier when speaking with you, I, I've always been into solving uh, puzzles. So mm-hmm. I'm the type of person that if I... And solving one of those like 3,000 uh, piece uh, puzzles and there's a piece missing, I'll actually go to the store and get another box and then find that one piece to be able to <laughs> so, I mean, it's a strange idiosyncrasy of mine, but then at the end of the day, I ended up paying off. So as a kid, I was always into like presenting and, you know, I would go to meetings with my dad and stuff like that growing up. And it, I hated it as a kid because who wants to go into an adult meeting, but yeah. <laughs> It ended up paying off, um, you know, growing up. And basically what happened that triggered Flindle was that I was, I, I purchased an item a few years ago, um, off of a website 
um, which was the, the store was based somewhere in California. And at the time I was in Toronto, um, for something and the, it was a pair of sunglasses. The sunglasses were a hundred dollars. I was totally fine with paying that. The shipping cost was $150. And on top of that, it would take like two weeks for it to be able to get to my house. And I became the most annoying person to be around for about six months. I would tell people, you know, what's really annoying shipping. And here's why. And at the time, I love that. The idea was to, uh, the idea was to start like a localized, um, AliExpress, Amazon style thing, but for everybody else. And what we realized at the time, I was super lucky that I had friends that had online commerce stores that were like doing crazy numbers. And I asked them like, Hey, um, before I commit to this idea, is your problem fulfillment? Like get, is getting an item from like your warehouse to where the customer is your issue? And they said, no. And I said, you're lying. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> That's a lie. Of course. I, um, <laughs> so I, I didn't believe that returns was the actual problem. So I went to uh, Krispy Kreme um, and the Krispy Kreme in Toronto. It's like in a really obscure uh, location. So like everyone knows the brand, but no one actually knows where the uh, Krispy Kreme actually is. So I bought like four boxes of Krispy Kreme. I took it to a random co-working space and people started swarming me, asking me for donuts. And I said, sure, if you tell me your returns experience or your online shopping experience. And then every single person pointed towards returns. And then I realized, okay, so the idea earlier was like, if this item was at in my city at the point that I'd ordered it, it'd probably come a lot faster and a lot cheaper. And then with returns... If somehow we can be able to take that core idea of hyperlocalization being the key to reducing lag and apply it to returns, we might get somewhere. Meaning that right now with online returns specifically, if you want to return something, you have to ship it all the way to the retailer in right, China right. or in Australia or in England and pay shipping fees on top of that before there's a circle back when you get your refund about a month or two later. Um, what we realize is that a product doesn't actually have to leave the market that it's in before the consumer, which is you and I, can find out if they can get their refund back, yes or no. Right. Um, that can all be done in-house. And then taking it further, we realized, oh, wait, so we have this cool solution. Why not apply this to both, like all kinds of returns, both um, physical returns, like from brick and mortar stores, like a Walmart or a Target, because no one likes going to the store. No one likes waiting in line. No one likes those awkward experiences of having to explain, like, why am I returning this item? Because it's not. Right. <laughs> um, so we realized, okay, we can have this happen for everyone. And how do we make this possible? Through smart boxes. We created these smart boxes um, for uh, drop-offs of these returns. So basically how this works is that as a consumer, you can just walk up to this box. It's kind of like an ATM. You put it, you put your return into the box and you just walk away. And that entire experience is less than three minutes. It is totally contact-free. So you're not talking to any humans, in, especially in light of COVID. It's totally like easy, super, super short, um, time periods. So as opposed to the almost an hour that you spend uh, driving to the store, waiting in line and wasting so much time, it's just now reduced into that three minute time frame. And it's a really quick turnaround. You just have to wait under 24 hours. And we're hoping to, in the next few years, with really great partnerships, get it to be instant refunds. And that's us. I, I think, I think that's a, uh, I think that's really, really exciting. Uh, I, I definitely, the, the instant refunds, it's something that it could be, uh, you know, that, that I'm definitely seeing. Obviously, now that everything is connected, you, it really the, the refund is is a you just need a form of proof that you've returned it, then you can the the company would probably feel comfortable issuing that refund. And I'm seeing that there's a few interesting challenges that I'd love to dive deeper and get your 
pick your brain on. First of all, you, ha- you mentioned this hyper-localization. So really the problem is that you want it to be really local to the person, right? You don't want them to be driving, you know, and going for that hour back and forth trip to the post office and sending a line and do it. It needs to be one solution for the automation is to have it as a, as a standalone box. You don't have to communicate with anybody. There's no line. But the other problem is that you need it to be hyper-localized. So you're dealing with a problem where you have to install these things at scale, right? How do you how do you even go to, you know, it's like a marketplace. You really need to conquer a city. You really need to have it everywhere. So how do you even go about doing that? For sure. I think that um, as a company, um, again, nothing beats experience. So one of the things that we did when we realized, that, okay, we're a city by city model, meaning that we conquer Austin. Right. And then we conquer Toronto. Then we conquer New York. Um, it was right. by some of the smartest people that have ever created the, the, the biggest and the most important city by city startup to join our advisory board. And those two people were very, very, very early at Uber. So one of them currently manages Uber's global operations. And then the other person was like employee number three or so at Uber. So meaning that they understand how to be able to scale a company from like the itty bitty stages, um, up until a multi-billion dollar, um, you know, franchise. And the way that we see things is that, uh, the more, so what we do is that we partner with property management groups like Heinz, Graystar, companies like Hilton and Marriott and everything to be able to provide our, uh, ARM units, which is what our boxes mm-hmm. are called. Uh, that stands for automated returns machine. And, um, we, partner with them to be able to provide that inside of their building. So once they have one of these units installed, what happens is that customers that are living in their building can return the items into that box. And then customers that are in that vicinity or in that city can also return or drop off their items at that box if they're nearby. And the reason why this is so important is because, especially with regards to the point of hyper-localization, uh, our company, we're going to have a bigger returns footprint than any other store, any other retailer in the world. Um, and what we can say is that we're going to have a bigger returns footprint than Walmart. Walmart currently has 4,800 uh, stores in North America. And for us, um, there's over 2.3 million uh, apartment buildings and multifamily buildings that we could potentially put our box in. Um, if we only hit like 10% of the market, we're bigger than every other company combined. Um, our goal right. is to be able to create a Jetsons-like future. I don't know if you remember the cartoon, The Jetsons, where everything just happened. Uh, you never have to leave your house to be able to go to a restaurant. Your house will become the restaurant. And you've seen that with companies right. like Uber You never have to go to the mall. The mall would just come to you. And for us, it's that reverse experience of bringing the mall back <laughs> to the mall. So the vision is that you might be coming home from Target and you realize, oh, shoot, I really shouldn't have bought this journal. Or maybe I bought the wrong size. As opposed to you having to waste fuel and um, even like your carbon footprint and everything, driving back to the Target or even scheduling your entire life around that return. You just drop it off in that box nearby or drop it off in the box right. and you're building on your way up. So that's the kind of fusion that we're trying to create. And so you you have that. The one piece of the puzzle is you as the consumer having to go and, and making it you know seamless for me to return an item. And then there is the whole other piece of how do you actually get that item? Uh, you know, in the same, you know, shape and condition to the to the merchant uh, that you've partnered with. And I'm imagining, you know, that one one ARM unit could be suitable with with Walmart, with Target, with, you know, uh, whatever, uh, whatever clothing store that I just, uh, you know, Bloomingdale's or Macy's. So how does that what is sort of the logistic thinking process behind that? For sure. Um, to be quite frank with you, it's magic. <laughs> um, everything is just, is just magical. Um, but like, yeah, there is a, a logistics network powering everything and making sure that things, 
you know, happen and operate smoothly. Um, on the high level with regards to how our boxes operate, all of our boxes are compatible with all of the stores that we're, that we're partnered with and that we are compatible with. So for example, um, a box won't just do only Walmart returns. You'll see on the unit, like what kinds of ritual, what stores are available at this particular place. Um, it's a city by city variant, meaning that certain cities may have certain stores that are not available in certain markets. So for example, if you're in New York, you might have like a Saks on your, um, ARM and your, in your building. But then if you're in Houston, you might have a Ross. Or you might have a tar- or a Marshalls, and so like the stores are, for the most part, we're um, city city specific for like more niche uh, retailers. Right. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And so one of the things that I'm that I'm really excited about, you know, this show is I get to speak with entrepreneurs at, at all different stages of their companies, from very early stage to all the way to to managing public companies, and really picking their brain on some of the most you know uh, you know scary, challenging, yet fun and exhilarating things of where they are today. So I'd love to hear from you. At, at what stage really would you categorize uh, Flengel right now? And what are some of them, you know, both the scariest, but also most exhilarating things that you're experiencing as a as an early stage entrepreneur? For sure. Stage that we would categorize ourselves. We're at the stage, um, we're about to blow up. Like that's the stage that we're in. So we're just preparing for takeoff. Um, in terms of what the scariest things right now is being able to deal with the increased demand that has happened in light of COVID. So um, all of a sudden, everybody wants one of these smart boxes in their buildings. Everyone wants to be able to have them in their senior homes and their retirement homes. Right. Um, grandma can't go to the store all the time and that's not safe. And um, higher um, end uh, property management groups want to incorporate this to show their tenants that they're making an effort towards COVID. Um, so for us, it's just being able to deal with the demand and have stellar customer service while doing so. In terms of the most exciting things, honestly, it's just um, we recently... That sounded uh, pretty exciting for me, I have to say. <laughs> what you, what you just said. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, you know, I'm a millennial. So like the things that excite me, yes, I love the fact that we're increasing our customers and everything. I'm also really excited about the commercials. So um, basically, we're really, really excited about the fact that um, we have a lot of really great announcements coming up, including new advisory board members that um, are like super, super advantageous to the company and towards fueling our mission. Um, the other thing is just that in terms of the things that you know, are tough to handle right now is just the increased demand. Like I mentioned before, everyone wants an ARM box in their building now from uh, your retirement homes and seniors that can't afford to, you know, risk their lives to go drop, return a stock at the local Walmart, at the local Target to higher end property manager groups that are looking to offer this amenity towards showing their customers and their tenants that they are making an increased effort towards being able to protect their safety and everything in light of the pandemic. So we're really excited about the future and super bullish on us long term. Right. How do you see, you know, the, the landscape of of companies that are working on this. Obviously, you know, where we can look at companies like Amazon that are working extremely hard on their fulfillment process and return process, whether it may be through, you know, a drone deliveries or whether it be, you know, their acquisitions of multiple, you know, last mile companies. Obviously, I'm saying the other, you know, the everybody else really that doesn't have the capacity to to run these massive operations that they are you know excited to utilize these resources because they don't want to be dealing with you know returns hyper localized returns all over the united states so are there other really big people that are that are trying to tackle this problem what's been the response that you're getting from these retailers and companies that that are potential partners of yours 
For sure. I mean, from a retailer perspective, um, you have to remember that infrastructure is a very difficult thing to be able to do, right? So what these companies end up doing, even companies on the largest scale, like Walmart and everything, they end up relying on other um, parties towards being right. able to manage and complement their existing services. So for example, uh, with us, like we're not in competition with Amazon. We're more of a complement to companies like Amazon. So we are a totally different market segment, totally different customer segment. And eventually we will be able to do um, returns with um, Amazon in partnerships. So like for us, it's not like a, the return space is a very fragmented space. It's also a very massive um, opportunity. It's still quite early um, with regards to now companies are now starting to pay attention to returns uh, before uh, companies like Amazon set a, set a precedent in terms of uh, super fast fulfillment, super fast delivery, get this thing today. Right. And now we're thinking about how can we get this item back to the consumer and how can we, you know, optimize on the consumer's experience so they keep coming back. So our company um, is only going to help to accelerate that. And again, we have the advantage of being just super, super, super early into the space. Yeah. Right. No. And, and I, I have to say that, you know, I'm, I'm excited to go on my own venture sooner rather than later. And, I, and I'm excited to, to get as excited as you are talking about the different things that are happening. Yeah. It, it sounds uh, it sounds really, really wonderful. Well, Gochi, tell me a little bit about what surprised you uh, as an early stage founder along along this process. You're growing very fast. You're seeing an, a surge of demand for your product. You're you're you know, you're bringing people on board. You have an engineering team in Toronto while, you know, uh, some other folks are in Austin. So you're traveling back and forth. What, what is it? What is the experience like? What, what has been some of the most surprising things that perhaps a, a fresh young entrepreneur starting their journey wouldn't even think of? Um, very random, but uh, don't don't wear a suit to meetings. I remember my very first meeting. <laughs> And I remember like just thinking of what I thought the um, startup world would be like and how it's supposed to be business. These are people that are conducting multi-million deals and everything. And a friend of mine um, that in had introduced me to an investor for practice, right? And this was before Flynn was even Flynn. This is when I decided that I was going to, you know, like be in this space. And I went to the meeting, had a suit on. I looked like I was going to an interview on Wall Street and the meeting, he messaged me that this was at Starbucks. And I said, okay, I think he's asking to meet at the Starbucks so he can lead me to his office because obviously he doesn't want to meet right at his office. And the meeting was at Starbucks. So I get to the Starbucks, I sit down, I'm waiting on this dude. He comes in in like a t-shirt, right? And this is a dude that <laughs> like sold over six companies. Um, for nine figures, like I, I came in and I'm like, huh? And then he looks at me and he looks confused. And I'm like, uh, I'm coming back from a function. That's what I said, um, because I was so embarrassed and everything that could have possibly um, went wrong in that meeting happened. But amazing. Um, Good great, thing it was a practice. Yeah, it was a really great thing for me because of, at the end of the and I haven't spoken to that person since, but um, at, the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, what it did to me was that you shouldn't take yourself too seriously, number one. Number right. two, um, you shouldn't be afraid to fail. Um, like there's so many different things. Like as long as your core idea is okay, it's okay to continue pivoting and it's okay to continue adapting and adjusting. So you shouldn't be married to the entire thing. You should be married to the core concept. Things change over time. And the other thing is just like, again, like don't wear a suit to a meeting because the suit means opposite. It means you're trying too hard. Um, versus I've gotten more respect in t-shirt and jeans than I have wearing any dressed up attire. So that's one of the things that I love most about the space. Uh, I, I completely love that. A few words about, you know, deciding to uh, launch the company in Austin with engineering in Toronto. Uh, you know, I, I just recently spoke with 
a, a good friend of mine who's a principal at the at at a big VC, an early stage VC based in in Texas. But tell me a little bit about your decision to start the company there. Obviously, I know you grew up in the area, but did you was there a decision to be made, or was it natural that it was that it would be yeah. there? So I, um, I, I did grow up in Houston, which is about a two hour drive from Austin. And, um, the thing with Toronto is that Toronto is a really interesting city. So Toronto is great for, uh, like the up and coming entrepreneurs that are in Toronto, like from a labor perspective, um, as an mm-hmm. American looking in, um, there, there's a lot of benefits, um, towards having a certain amount of staff located in Toronto and operating in Toronto. And in terms of Austin, I mean, Austin is, is Texas. So Texas, I'm naturally biased for it. <laughs> um, and I'll argue night and day that it's way better than the Bay Area. And you know this by virtue of all of the people that are now moving down to Austin and, you know, ruining <laughs> country. But, um, Austin has a lot of really great things. The city is full of so much life and has so much character. And then the tech ecosystem there is like booming at an really incredible rate. I was taking an Uber and the Uber driver like pitched me and then we connected. And that was like, like that kind of atmosphere, that kind of ecosystem. I love that only find in the Bay Area. Now you're finding it in other markets and other cities. Uh, plus the weather's great, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> and it's a fast-free state, so we're going to be thankful for that. So yeah, there's just so many different and great um, benefits, like both from a personal perspective, but then also from an economical perspective as to why, you know, Texas, specifically Austin, is like the perfect right. for any company really to be able to grow and thrive in. I love it. Ugochi, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I really, really appreciate it. Before we leave, I have to ask you for the most important question, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Um, Funny, witty, and charismatic. I love that. Ugochi Owa, thank you so much for being here. Uh, best of luck with Flendel. I, I can't wait to see it uh, for myself. I can't wait to use it myself. Uh, and, and I can't wait to see where you take this journey forward. So thank you for coming. Thank you so much. It was great to be here.